Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Atlanta Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Good morning. This is Sanjay Ture, and welcome back to another episode of Tuesdays with Corey with your host, Corey Rick. Today's show is sponsored by our dear friends at the Long-Term Care Planning Group. I always say this is one of my favorite shows on the Business Radio X platform simply because it just showcases and highlights women and all the amazing things that they're doing. So thank you so much again, Corey Rick, for just being the host of the show and showcasing our women and the amazing things that they do. And here's your amazing host, Corey Rick. Sanjay, thank you very much. We appreciate that. Uh, of course, the Tuesdays with, with Corey show, we highlight and we talk about all the great contributions that women are making to their communities, to their organizations, and to their industries. And today, we, I think we've outdone ourselves today because we have another great guest, and today's guest is Lisa Winton. And Lisa is the CEO and co-owner of Winton, Manu- Winton Machine Company, a company that she's been involved with since 1997. Lisa's current responsibilities with Winton Machine Company include overseeing sales, marketing, finance, human resources, and business development. Unquestionably, Lisa brings a wealth of business success and experience to our show today. Lisa, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Well, you're going to be a great guest, and you have a wealth of business experience, Lisa. Introduce yourself a little bit further in your experience to the listenership, if you would. So I've... um I came to Atlanta from University of Florida, and um, I just fell in love with the city back then. It was a young, vibrant city, and it's grown a great deal because that was many years before the Olympics. So I've just watched the city grow up, and it's kind of fun. Um, and um, I'm just uh, really happy to be here. I've started our co- we, my husband and I started our company back in 1997. Uh, prior to that, I had a career in retail, and I worked for several companies here in the metro Atlanta area um, in store management, in buying, and planning, um, and so it's led me to the career I have now. How has your past experience helped you run your company now? Well, that's a really interesting question because I think back to when I graduated from college and I moved here and I actually worked for Toys R Us at the time and I was in their management training program, which was a great opportunity. I was 21 years old and I had the opportunity to manage about 70 people, which is frightening to even think about right now. That how, they how, was allow that ex- that. how was that experience for you? You must have learned a great deal. Oh, I mean, I learned, I learned, I learned to be humble and I learned to depend on my people. Because I had to do things like put a bicycle together, unload a truck, um, stock shelves as part of the training program. And I feel today that that is invaluable because I think that you can't manage people without really understanding the jobs that they do. I, I agree with you 100%. Uh, I think it's important for you to be able to, to, be able to coach them. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure how you could coach them unless you've kind of uh, walked in their shoes and, in your case, uh, assembled toys and so on. I remember uh, my nephew, um, for his fifth birthday, I went to Toys R Us, and they, they loved me. Anything for my nephews I would buy there. And I went there, and uh, this was some time ago. And I, I pulled these little kids together, and I said, hey, if you had a really cool uncle like me, what would he buy you for your fifth birthday? And they all pointed this thing, and it was this thing called the Dune Racer, and it was like a little mini dune buggy. And I remember thinking, oh, okay, cool. You know, and so I, I look at the, you know, the model on the floor, and I said, okay, well, I'll take that, and I go up front, and I you know, pay for it. And I'm sitting up there kind of minding my own business, and then uh, these two huge boxes come up, and I say offhandedly to the cashier, I said, well, what's that? She goes, with a straight face, that's your dune buggy. And then she followed that up by saying, some assemblies required. <laughs> And I remember thinking, wow, that's really subjective. And so now I have another problem. i got to be at you know, my nephew's birthday and uh, another day, and I have to get this thing put together. So I go back to the hotel, and thankfully, the night manager thought it was really cool that I was buying my nephew this dune racer. And he said, wow, I'd really love to put that together. And I thought, you know, I think maybe we can make that happen. That was the best $50 I ever spent because it never would have looked like it did if I had put that together. So I... I think that that's excellent that you were able to do that and, and get that experience. How did you like working for Toys R Us? It would be hard for me to say it was the hardest job I've ever had because um, I think owning and running a company probably surpasses that. 
but it was grueling. Um, when you think about, I would go to work at 7, 8 o'clock in the morning, and during certain times of the year, I would not leave until 2 a.m. in the morning. And so I can't even imagine now looking at looking back at that, and there aren't that many people that would be willing to put in the number of hours that we put in during those years. 70 people you managed, and you were 20, 21, 22? 21, 21. How did you do yeah. that? 21, 22. Um, you know, they did prepare you well. Their management program was really good, and it it there were different phases to that program, and I'm a really big advocate of management training programs. There aren't as many anymore as there were back in the day, um, but I think that there was classroom training, there was on-the-job training, and there was a lot of leadership training, and I think it was invaluable. But I made a lot of mistakes, and you learn from those mistakes along the way. And I had some wonderful supervisors that really helped guide me as well. And I think depending on the people that are around you is the, the biggest – your biggest asset is your people. Yeah. So having a great staff really helped me out a lot. Do you think it made a difference that you could uh, – you know? that you had the experience assembling the toys and working, you know, sort of uh, with the people. You, you sort of have had the experience of doing the jobs of the people you were managing. Do you think that made an impact in your credibility with your folks that you were managing? I think definitely. I think if I just basically punched the clock, if I just basically worked a 9-to-5 day and I left, I don't think that they would have the respect for me. But because I stayed until the job was done, because I didn't ask anything of them that I wouldn't ask of myself, I think that's one of the keys of gaining the respect of the folks that you work with. I don't think there's any question about that. So from Toys R Us, you were there how long? I was with Toys R Us for maybe two years. It sounds like you gained a lot of uh, great experience there. Yeah, it might have been three years. It was a long time ago. I'm going to give away my age here. But um, I worked for them for a few years, and then I just had this aha moment, and I realized that, wow, I really want to be a buyer, and I'd have to move to New Jersey, and I really like Atlanta. And then I was thinking that I don't know if that's really realistic. So then um, one of the other managers I worked with at the time, he said, you know, I really could see you working at Macy's. I could just see that white flower, that white carnation on you. And I said, really? And he said, yeah. He said, you can go into the buying offices. They're here, local in Atlanta. And so we talked about it for a while. So I said, you know, I'm going to check that out. So I went ahead and applied for the program, and I actually went to their management training program hmm. here in Atlanta. And it was when the Southeastern headquarters was located in downtown Atlanta. Was there, how was their training program different than what you experienced at Toys R Us? Or was it different? Um, I think that all probably management training programs have some components that are similar but it was a definitely a, a completely different environment. Um, and the, How so? The training program there wasn't the – you didn't really have a lot of classroom, and a lot of it was hands-on learning, and it was – you had to move from different – like you, you know, manage different areas, and it was really just working and being mentored. How did your experience for, uh, with Toys R Us prepare you for your time uh, as a buyer at Macy's? Well, so going from um, managing as many people as I did at Toys R Us and having different shifts and working with so many different people really made it easier to move in to management at Macy's because it, it was very similar. You're still in retail. At the end of the day, it's, it's all similar. And then in the way that Macy's worked was you were in the stores and then you went to assistant buyer. Um, and at the assistant buyer level, you worked with your buyer, and I had wonderful opportunities there. I had a really great buyer that I worked with, um, and I really, really enjoyed it. And when I worked at the store, I actually worked downtown as well. So I had the exposure to all of the executives, um, and several executives had offices right behind my department. So um, it, they were very critical. And, I, in fact, I can remember I had this – towel wall that just went from the floor I felt like to the ceiling and if any towel was ever not folded or in place a call would be made to the management office you know saying that your towel wall needs to be fixed and so it it made it made me really attuned to details and making sure that my folks on my floor were also um 
to make sure that they were very detail-oriented. What well, sounds like your experience at Toys R Us really set you up for the success you had at Macy's. Then what was, what was the next step after that, your, your experience at Macy's? So at Macy's, I really enjoyed um, buying, and I was, in the assist- I was an assistant buyer. And then unfortunately, um, the Southeastern um, Division was closed. Um, and so we had, um, we had purchased um, Bullocks out in California and while well, I was in the buying offices, and that was really fun. But then they went ahead and closed the offices here, and it was just San Francisco and New York. So I had a, I had a moment that I had to decide, do I want to go to New York? Do I want to go to San Francisco? Or my other option was to go back into the stores. And I was married at the time, and I was here, and we were settled. And um, I decided the best thing would be to stay with the company and go back into the stores. So I did, and um, I went and ran several departments um, at the perimeter store. You've had a lot of great experience uh, with with what you've done at Toys R Us and the training you received there, managing 70 people and the buying. How has that, has that been advantageous for you for what you do now? Definitely, because owning a business, like when you first start, you are everything, right? You are the janitor, you are the purchasing person, you, you know, um, our company, we started out of the basement of our house. And so my husband is the engineer and I was the business side. And so, you know, for years I did purchasing and that purchasing came natural to me because I had done buying before. And so I knew the way a buyer thinks at that point in time and I knew the questions to ask. And if I had not had any of that buying experience, I think purchasing would have been very difficult. And I think managing people is very difficult if you have not had any sort of management training experience. And I've seen that firsthand because I have, you know, we've put people into positions that we should have given them more training and it really wasn't fair to them. It was definitely our fault. Um, I think as a leader, you have to take responsibility a lot of times for a lot of the things that go wrong. Yeah, there's there's no question about that. It, it sounds like you've done you've been extremely effective at building teams. Is that do you think that's a fair assessment? I think that's a fair assessment. Um, I think that it's always the most difficult part of a business, whether it's your it's your business, it's someone else's business, you're a manager. Um, I think no matter what level of supervisor you are. I think you're dealing with a lot of personalities, and a lot of times we have to remember that people have lives outside of the company, and so you don't know what's going on in their lives outside. You don't know what, what's walking in every morning. Yeah, 100%. So you're splitting your time between overseeing sales, marketing, HR, and business development. How do you spend your time given the enormity of those responsibilities? So for sales, we have a strong sales force of very, very experienced people. So um, I'm just really a support support person where that's concerned. And marketing, I have a wonderful marketing consultant that I work with, and she keeps me on track. Um, she, uh, Teresa, does a really great job of making sure that I stay on task. And she gives me my list, and she follows back up with me to make sure that I've gotten everything to her that I need to. Yes, I would say knowing Teresa, she, you know, one of the things she's, well, one of the many things she's excellent at is keeping things on task and making sure the ball is getting moved down the field. Yes, because, you know, that's one of the hardest things. Everyone says, you know, I can multitask so well. None of us can multitask well. Really, the reality is we can do one thing and one thing well, and then we need to move on to the next thing. And so, she really forces me like with deadlines and she, you know, follows back up. I need this by this date. And so it keeps me on track when it comes to marketing, which marketing feeds sales. Mm-hmm. I mean, marketing is the thrust. It's so important and it's always the first thing to go in a company. And what about HR? What, uh, uh, you know, so what are your thoughts on that and your involvement there? So I use a PEO company, and so um, a lot of the technical things are done through that PEO company, but you're still ultimately responsible for feeding that. Um, I am the, I guess, last man standing. Um, So we have a manufacturing manager and we have supervisors. Hmm. So when things um, get to me, they've usually gotten to the point where, you know, I need to mediate. Um, or I just need to listen. And sometimes people just need to be heard. I mean, that's the most important thing at the end of the day is that you feel like you've been heard. 
I picked up uh, that your team and, and building uh, your people, are uh, it's very important to you. You made a comment earlier about you, you're not sure what people are dealing with. It would appear that you have a, a very, very strong uh, perspective toward work-life balance and that you want you know, your folks that work for you to have that. Is that accurate? It is accurate. You know, it could be a challenge. So we have flexible, right, um, flexibility in our work hours. And what does that mean? What does flexibility mean? What does mean, that mean? Right? Yes. It's a, it's a very hard thing because I've heard of companies that do, um, you know, instead of having PTO, instead of having a number of hours that folks have vacation or sick days, they have unlimited. And I say, how could you have unlimited vacation policy? How does that work? I mean, I can't even begin to imagine how that works. So we're not that flexible, but we are flexible enough that, you know, when we started our company, we had a newborn baby. And I know that I wanted that flexibility. When my kids had an event at school, there was a performance, you know, maybe I wanted to go in and have lunch with them. I didn't want to miss those opportunities. I didn't want to look back and say I'd never had the opportunity to go into school and have lunch with my child. So I felt the same way for my employees. I felt like if they want to go have lunch during the day with their child, they should be able to. If there's something in the morning that they have to do, they have to drop off at daycare. I mean, the reality is most of my folks, if they're married, both are working. So why is it that the man can't drop off? Why does a woman always have to drop off, right? So the majority of my workforce is men. So sometimes they have to drop off at daycare. So what we do is we have flexibility in what time do you start? But that means if you're committing to starting at 7 a.m., you need to be there clocked in at 7 a.m., not 7.15, not 7.10, but 7 o'clock. And so we were finding that was kind of a difficulty was we were really flexible for years, and then we found that people were taking advantage of those policies. So we have constant conversations about that, about the fact that I want to keep that flexibility there so that you can have that work-life balance. But there are times that we're super busy and we're going to ask of you a lot more. We're going to ask you to be here um, to make sure that the product gets out the door and that our customer is served. Um, And then there's going to be times that, you know, that if your regular schedule is 7, I really need you here at 6.30, I'm going to ask. Do you feel like the given the flexibility that you give your folks that um, it really puts you in a good position to ask for more in those times when your company's very very busy? I mean, it would seem so looking from you know from where I'm sitting. Um, I think that um, asking your folks for more is more than just offering them flexibility. Yeah. I think it's about creating a place where they feel safe, they enjoy the work environment that they're in. And, you know, we have our ups and downs, you know. Um, There's moments that everyone doesn't get along, right? It's not that kumbaya feeling in in the workplace. But then there's other times where everybody gets along and it's really a great team environment. So it's just... You know, what I, I told someone yesterday, I said, there is no person at our company that's any more important yep. than another. So we are dependent on every single person in that building to make sure that from the point of the initial contact with the customer to the point that the machine ships out the door to even beyond to the installation on the floor and to follow up service. So I think creating the environment as a whole um, and the relationships allow you more, more flexibility to ask. Well, I think you, it sounds like you've done a, an extremely good job of setting, setting your team up and building a team. And, and on any team that I've ever played on, sometimes you're the best player, sometimes you're the most prepared. You know, sometimes guys have bad games and sometimes people have a difficult time. And, and really the last thing you need to say to anybody that's going through a difficult time is, hey, you didn't really play that well. Or hey, you really did. You really had a lousy day yesterday. And so it seems like you've you've established that culture where, you know, it's a team first mentality, and, and people are, you know, kind of open. And you built that you built that team environment and that culture where it's about the team. Well, we are try- we are trying right. Every day is a struggle, and I'll be honest. You know, um, we created our core values um, last How year. How did you we, do that? We, we created our core values. Um, I had someone come in um, and meet with all of the folks at Winton, um, some individually, some in groups, and really talk about our culture, um, talk about what they thought, um, what was important, um, and then from there, guided guided those core values. 
and what are they? So helping others is one of our real key um, core mm. values. And so that goes back to the teamwork. And so it's really hard when you have so many really great experienced people. Um, it's hard for them to stop what they're doing to help somebody else. Um, right now, one of the reasons we, we picked helping others was because in the manufacturing world, um, workforce development is the key buzzword because we're really having a difficult time. We went through a... 10-year period of time where people just didn't go into manufacturing jobs, where high schools took out their technical programs, where technical colleges weren't funded, where so many different things happened. And parents, parents were a big part of that and continue to be a big part of that because parents are like, well, my child's going to go to a four-year school and graduate with a bachelor's degree. And so they're not looking at what's best for their child or necessarily what their child wants. And so now we have this Why do you think that new is? revolution. I think it's because, you know, I, I had a situation where somebody's, um, uh, it, was, it was a friend of mine, acquaintance, and, and she said to me, you know, we were talking and it was graduation time, and I was asking, you know, what their child was going to do after graduation. And so she was really tentative to tell me, and, and her child was going on to a technical school. Um, and so she was going to be a hairdresser. Um, and so, um, I thought that was fantastic. And I thought to myself, wow, well, I know how much I pay for my hairdresser. My hairdresser only works three days a week, yeah. uh, has a great flexible schedule and comes home with a great income and is super happy. So why would you not be happy for your child is yeah. what I'm thinking. Well, I think there, you know, it's funny. We were talking before the show about, uh, you know, you know, when you're 19 or 20 years old, you know, what are you supposed to do? And I, I think, you know, being happy is right up there at the top of the list. I think you have to take a first step. And if you are a hairdresser, hey, maybe you own the salon. You can set your own hours if it's what you love to do, if it's your fastball. I mean, I personally don't see anything wrong with that. And I, I'm, not, I'm not sure why a parent would be hesitant to talk about that if, if their child uh, really enjoys that and feels strongly about that. I think a lot of times as parents, we have this vision of our child and we have this vision of what we would like them to do and I think it's really hard to step away and let that child figure out what they want to do on their own because we need to be the support system for them but we ultimately we can't make the decision of what's going to make them happy in life so with technical schools we're really lucky in Georgia we have 22 technical colleges here in Georgia um, and we lead the nation and I think most people don't know that. Um, we're one of the only technical college systems in the country that um, the Department of Labor um, has um, given us a certain stature. Statue. And I think that um, we are in the right direction here in Georgia yeah. um, as far as our high schools and new programs that we're putting in and how they're feeding and our dual enrollment. Uh, so I, I think that that's why Georgia is the number one place to um, operate a business. Does that afford you the opportunity to find talent having so many technical schools here in the state of Georgia? Is that helpful for your business? It is. Um, So two of the young kids that are working in our electrical department are um, direct results, actually, of the technical high school in in Gwinnett County. Oh, great. um, Maxwell Technical High School. And um, that basic knowledge that they received really helped when they came in the door because they were one step ahead and then we could teach them from there. And so we were talking earlier about all of these great folks I have with years and years of experience, the helping others core value is so important because I'm really trying to, um, they've embraced helping these younger kids who are just coming out of school. Um, and the younger kids are really enjoying learning from them because they, they admire them and they see how much knowledge that they have. Well, that's really neat that you've set that up, and uh, you're certainly able to help kids follow up on something that they think uh, is of interest to them. I think I remember when I was getting going, I had no clue what I was going to do. I did a couple of internships, and then I took my first job. And you know, I thought, but that taking that perspective and having the mentoring and and really getting your getting your um, hands dirty and doing the jobs that are in your company, I think that's really helpful for somebody to figure out, hey, this, is this something I want to do? And is this a direction I need to go in? And certainly with the mentors that you've set up at your company and you, you're 
you can also comment on that, I'm sure. Yeah, I, I think internships are so important. So for any listener um, that has the opportunity to provide internships, um, I encourage you to. And as a manufacturer, you know, and a small manufacturer, it's really hard. We don't have a formalized program. We have learned throughout the process that we need to be, have a little bit more formalized program um, so that the kids have an expectation. So at that point in time, a lot of times it's their first job. Yeah. So we're teaching them that, like we talked about, if you're supposed to be here at 7 o'clock, then you're supposed to be here at 7 o'clock to clock in. And y- when you are sick, you pick up a phone and you call. And, you know, just some basic things that you think are automatic, but they're really not. And so it's those soft skills. It's how to talk to people. It's how to ask questions. It's how to take initiative. Um, and then also they're working on a manufacturing floor. And so they're learning how to put things together, you know, and they're learning great mechanical skills. And so some of them are going to go on and become engineers. And they will become much better engineers because they had that practical experience. 100%. If they're getting their – if they're – Putting things together, if they're getting that experience, I think that can only help them become better and decide, you know, sort of further what direction their career should take. Yeah, I was recently um, talking with a colleague who's at a very large manufacturing facility, and he was telling me about their internship program. And so their interns tend to intern with them for three years, and then the majority of them that have interned for three years, they're offered positions. So it's a great opportunity for the student as well to get a position when they graduate, whether it be a technical school or a um, just a standard four-year university. But now you really need some sort of education outside of high school. But there's you know a lot of mid-level jobs, and that's what manufacturing offers is mid-level jobs, and that's what our technical colleges are helping prepare that workforce for. It seems like the internship program is a win-win all the way around. I mean, uh, you know, the companies that have, uh, uh, you know, a student for a summer or three years, that's a, a, a summer or three-year interview. It for is. The, for the company to determine, hey, is this, is this person fit? And vice versa. I think you're doing a great thing for uh, the students by giving them that experience and, you know, giving them perspective they need to figure out, hey, is this the direction that I want to go in? And that's one of the mistakes that we learned was that you need to provide feedback. So if it's a student that you're probably not going to ask back, well, why aren't you going to ask them back? Because it's a safe environment for them to learn from that experience. And so you need to give, give them that feedback. How do you do that? You be honest and you sit down with them and you just like you would do a review with an individual and you basically give them a review. Do you have a set? Set, uh, a set of parameters and a set of questions, uh, you know, that you go over with them? And do you have them fill out an evaluation to let you know how they think they're doing? Or how does that work for you? Well, actually, that's a really good idea. We should probably do that. Um, so we are working on a process. So, you know, when we talk about business, people, process, product, right? Those are the three main keys. We've talked a lot about people, which is always one of the most difficult things. Um, process is probably the other most difficult thing for us. And so as a small company, I think process, probably a large company as well, but a small company, growing company, processes are so important. So that was something we learned by making mistakes. Um, We felt like we didn't do a good enough job. And um, so we have put in a process in which we have feedback forms um, and that our supervisors meet with and give verbal feedback to the interns yeah that's really important for them to to have that i would imagine and have something it it sounds like it would be written and it's something that they can take with them and work on going forward yes and i know the high school that we work with one of the high schools we work with they actually have a form that they give us um like every few months that we have to fill out it's a feedback form and so at first i found my supervisors were giving them all really great marks and then I said, okay, you need to be really honest because this is not helping the student. If, you know, if there are areas for improvement, we need to let, let them know. And so we should be letting them know before we give this paper to the school. And so that's another thing w- that we learned. So you've had all of this experience with Toys R Us and with Macy's. And in the late 90s, you and your husband start your company. What led you to do that? Well, it would kind of happen by mistake. Um, it was, so? it was definitely not purposeful. Um, so my husband was one of those kids who went to high school and he didn't really apply himself 
and but he did work on cars and he his dad had a machine shop and he worked around that since a young child um so he got to the point where his parents said he wasn't going to go to college his parents said you need to to get some sort of training for a job so he went to a technical high school his last year and a half and then he did an apprenticeship as a machinist and so he decided, I think about two years in, that he did want to go back to school and he wanted to become an engineer. Hmm. So he went to the county college and then he went on from there and he went to Rutgers and graduated um, with honors as an engineer. So he had a really strong engineering background and manufacturing background. He worked for several different manufacturers and he wrote um, an article for a publication. And in that article, he was talking about tube bending. And so we got a call about the article asking if we could make tube benders. Well, we didn't have anything. We had a screwdriver, a hammer. You know, there was like, there was nothing in our house, you know, just the average things that you would have in your garage. And of course you said, of course we can do that. Of course we can do that. <laughs> yes. He said, of course we can do that. So um, we, uh, we figured it out. And so from there, we started buying. Um, we thought, hmm, you know, I think that this is something maybe that we want to start doing. And so we started purchasing machinery. But if he had not had that machinist background, he would have never been able to do it. You know, we talked about having to do everything when you start, right? So he was a machinist when we started. Um, so we started, our basement became a machine shop before you knew it. I was still working um, at another job for health benefits. Um in 1997, we had a baby, we bought a car, and he quit his job. So it's called, um, you know, we just we just took the chance. We took the leap. And um, we got our first order for a machine um, to bend posts for bicycles and from Macon, Georgia. Um, and we were um, in full operation, assembling in our garage. And we had an office upstairs in the bedroom. And then we hired our first part-time employee. And then... Um, after that, um, we had we moved into our first facility, and we're really happy to say that um, that employee is still with us today. And his son has this is his second year interning with us. He's an engineering major at Mercer, and um, he's going to be a fabulous engineer someday. What a great story! I think that that is the most unique story we've heard on the show in two years, Sanjay, uh, about how somebody got into their business. Certainly, uh, that that's excellent. How how is it that you've done so well in an arena that's so traditionally male dominated? You know, that is so, um, that's such an interesting thing because I, if you had asked me, would you be in manufacturing? I would have said, absolutely not. Um, when I graduated and I was in retail, I was surrounded by lots and lots of women in the retail industry. Um, but the interesting part is I belong to, um, a sea level women's manufacturing group. Um, I am part of Next Generation Manufacturing here in the metro Atlanta area, and they actually just had a women in manufacturing event. Um, I, there is women in manufacturing organizations now. It's, um, we're working really hard with STEM and working in the schools yeah. at really trying to get the girls more involved in um, engineering and sciences. And, you know, my sister-in-law is a machinist. So I think that, um, and I've seen strides at our company. We have our first female engineer on staff. My manufacturing manager is a woman. Um, you know, I've gone into plants all around the United States where there is lots of women on the assembly lines. So I think the more and more advanced that we get, um, I think that we'll be able to start seeing more and more women. Um, I think we started seeing more women in civil engineering and um, certain engineering fields, but we're starting to see a few more in mechanical, and that's what our engineer is. She was a mechanical engineering major. How are you inspiring other women to get into manufacturing? Through working with schools and education. So it started with working with a STEM education in the schools, and you know, one of the things that I started last year was field trips for the kids. Um, and trying to get them into facilities so that they can actually see hands-on operations, see hmm. all the different jobs that are available. Because people think of manufacturing, they just think of a manufacturing floor. But a manufacturing company has every type of job, right, available to it. Whether, you know, we talked about sales, marketing, finance, um, you know, you see a lot of, you'll see a lot of female CFOs in manufacturing companies. Why is that? Um, I think because you see more females in the financial f world, 
and so um, I've met more and more female CFOs. Um, I'm seeing in the in my women's manufacturing group, the women are either CEOs of manufacturing companies or their own companies that they've started and developed new products. So I think we're starting to see more women developing products too. So we're starting to see it on the entrepreneurial stage. So that's another thing when you ask like, how do you get involved? Well, I get involved at the entrepreneurial stage in the schools of helping um, the students. And so it's not just girls, but we're trying to get more girls into the programs, get them more excited about things that they're excited about. Um, because it may just be the product that excites them. Um, I think you're seeing more women in programming now than you yeah. ever have before. Um, so I think there's a shift and a change. It's going to take some time. Um, I think as we see more CEOs and more high-level executives that are women, I think you'll see that. I mean, General Motors has a female um, CEO. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it sounds like you're incredibly supportive of helping young women learn more about what it is you do. Yes. I mean, that's the that's the key is education, right? Because a school can only teach so much okay. and kids learn from books and learn from the classroom and the teachers tell us. So we do shadowing, teacher shadowing as well. The teachers come in each year and they shadow us and see what we do in a manufacturing world and see what opportunities there are. And then they talk to us about what do we need to see in the students? Um, because, you know, our education system is a bit antiquated when you really think about it for today's world. And so... It's really the business community working together with the educational community. Do you think the perspective that may be out there about women in manufacturing may have something to do with a predisposition to that's not something women are supposed to do kind of a thing? Well, I think manufacturing has gotten a bad rap overall. I mean, yeah. I think that we think about dirty manufacturing floors. Um, and so you think, you know, you wouldn't see a woman in a dirty manufacturing floor. You think of a, you know, man, men's mentality, shop talk, you know, all of these different things that you think about. But manufacturing has changed. It's evolved. It's automated. Um, I'm not going to tell you that there's not manufacturing facilities that are not you can't eat off the floor. But I will tell you that there is a lot of manufacturing out there that is just state of the art. I mean, they're using Google Glass. They're using Cobots. They're, you know, it is it is so automated. And so women can be involved in automation just like a man can. Yeah. And so, and also the very detail-oriented jobs, it's very interesting when you tour a manufacturing facility, you'll see a lot of women in very detail-oriented jobs. And maybe that's because of... Aren't they better with that? I think they must be better with that because I, I can think of a couple different manufacturing facilities and the women are doing the very, very detailed jobs yeah. um, that I think they, those companies at least have told me that the women are doing a better job at it. Yeah, that, that doesn't surprise me. How, how are you getting your, your new clients, your new customers? So we talked about marketing before, right? Everything kind of starts with marketing. And so it's the opportunity to get your name out. Um, you know, everything these days is Internet. I mean, if we had a website back in... Like, shoot, I think we had a website in like nine. I don't, I'll, I'll date my, I probably would give you an inaccurate data here to tell you exact date. But we did have a website when they first really started coming out. And it was very antiquated when I think about it now, um, all in HTML. And But my husband did a great job and we got pictures up online mm. and we went from there and we're on our third website now. Um, and so the web is so important. I mean, I think, you know, for those of you that know manufacturing, you know that Thomas Registry were these big, massive volume books that came on the shelf, and we used to advertise in those books. And then when they went to, like, floppies, we were, like, really excited, and then they went to online. And so, really, search engine optimization. It's everything that you can do to drive people to your website. So it's your blogs, it's your writing, it's giving information to your users. You know, you used to say keywords, but I don't want to go to a website that says two bender 15 or 20 times on a page. You know, what good does that do me? But if you give me a good article that I can read and I can learn from. So, you know, one of the things that we did was um, George wrote an article for seven years for a technical 
publication. And we have all of those hmm. articles up on our website. So that's great information for our customers really to come to. And we'll look at the statistics a lot of times at what pages people are coming to. And they're coming to those articles because those articles are helpful for them in their everyday life. And we're searching differently now than we've ever searched before. We're really just searching for information now. So, uh, you know, it's okay if someone comes to your website 20 times and they don't buy something or they don't call you. You know, the hope is eventually they're going to give you a call when they need something. And so I always took that Macy's philosophy, and maybe it was my days at Macy's, but, you know, you can remember Miracle on 34th Street. And you know how Santa said if someone came to him and – Macy's didn't have it, but Gimbel's had it. They'd send them down to Gimbel's. So we have the same philosophy. If a customer calls us and we can't do it, we want to make sure that we can send them to somebody that we feel confident that can do it. Um, so marketing, all the different aspects of marketing, um, you know, we don't really do a whole lot of cold calling. You know, we send out newsletters. We have a database of customers, our existing customers, word of mouth. Um, you know, today one of our customers was kind enough to allow us to bring some other customers into their facility to see a machine in operation. Oh, that's cool. Um, so those relationships, I think selling is all about relationships. And, you know, at the end of the day, I just want to solve my customers' problems. So I hope that they can feel like, you know, when they come to us, that that first contact all the way to the end. And so we're not just selling a product because they can buy from China. They can buy a tube bender from China. So, and a lot less than ours. So I want to make sure that we're solving their specific problem and we're not giving them more than they need either. I don't want to upsell them something that they don't need. Well, it's, it's obvious to me that relationships are paramount to you. And, and I think another thing that has served you well is you've taken this educational perspective. And I think that's allowed people to sort of come to you as opposed to you pursuing them. Do you think that's accurate? I think that's accurate. I think that um, once you get involved in your community um, and you get involved in various things, I think you kind of find your passions and then you find your connection. And so, you know, we were talking, you know, before the show about, you know, what you're great at, you know, the one thing that time, time is that one thing that you can only have a limited amount of. And so how do you use that time to really, get everything that you want done and to make the biggest difference. And so for me, I feel like now I have the opportunity to serve. Uh, You know, I'm very happy to have been appointed to the state board for technical colleges in Georgia. Um, And so now I'm making relationships with the different colleges and having those relationships and learning from the high school level and being able to make those connections, being able to make those connections to other manufacturers that I know um, and networking with other manufacturers because I learn so much from them. And every conversation I learn more and more that helps my business. What's your greatest challenge in your business now? People. How so? People. It's always people. That always comes down to people. Um, it is having the right people on the bus, you know, that old expression, sitting in the right seats, are they sitting in the right seats? You know, have they out, you know, has the position outgrown them as you've grown? Um, you know, are they able to keep up, uh, accountability? Um, are they giving you 110%, um, how people are talking to one another, how they're working together as a team? Um, you know, it's that, you know, all the cogs on the wheel turning, right? Um, sometimes they're out of line uh, for one reason or another. And, you know, it's, it's you have, per- and when you, when you get to the point where you have personal relationships with people, you have to be able to disconnect that as well for what's better, better for the company and better for the team overall. So um, it's hard because if you had the perfect person in every position, your company would just rock. Mm-hmm. Right. If it was that easy. And if it was that easy, everybody would be doing it. Well, I think you, you've touched on a number of things there. Uh, you know, I think it's important to get along and have personal relationships, but I think it's equally important to be able to have that disconnect. If something needs to be done and we need a course correction, uh, that's certainly something that is important to be able to bring up and to be able to deliver. It is. And I know that I've benefited from a business coach um, because it's good to have somebody. um, There's two things I've benefited. Actually, three. I've benefited from a business coach, which is on a personal and professional level. And it gives you a good insight because sometimes you do get too personal and you're and you need somebody to give you that perspective. 
I belong to that women's manufacturing group. Um, we meet a couple times a year, and so that's really great for best practices and for um, resolving issues. And then I belong to a group that meets, and it's like 12 or 13 business owners of varying sizes. I'm probably one of the small ones in the group. And so we have speakers, and we share, um, share stories, and it's a great place to even vent. Um, but to talk about what's going on to um, process your issues. Sure. Um, and so I'm a firm believer in all those resources and helping you and continuing to learn. Well, the business coach thing, I think, is uh, I found a lot of value in that. We were talking uh, bef- prior to the show about our experience with that because I think uh, as, the, as the owner and the CEO, uh, if you ask an employee, uh, maybe there is the question in the back of the owner's mind, am I getting the straight scoop here? Am I... Am I you know, am I being told what they think I want to hear? Am I being told what I need to hear? Uh, and I think with a coach, I think it's important to get it unvarnished and to, uh, you know, hear what you need to hear as opposed to what you want to hear. And um, yeah. I, I think that that's priceless. And, and I think as a business owner, to be able to go to a group and say, hey, I'm having this issue. It's issue X. And uh, I'm not really sure how to go about it. And maybe somebody's already been through it, and they can say, well, you know, Lisa, maybe you might consider this or you might consider that. And um, those groups I've found to be very helpful because, again, you get the unvarnished opinion. Nobody has an ax to grind. Nobody uh, stands to profit or whatever. They're looking out for your best interest. And they're going to be honest. That's what you have to be <laughs> Brutally for. honest. Be brutally Carefrontation, honest. <laughs> right? Yes, yes, Definitely. So you've been invited on the show because you have a lot of success and you've been favorably introduced by someone that we hold in high esteem. Tell us what sets you apart and tell us what sets your company apart. I'd say that what sets our company apart is our products. Um, I think that Many of our products are outstanding. I think they're very they're value priced, um, but I wouldn't say that I stand on, on just price. I would say that it's experience. I think it's the whole process, the sales process. It's the fact that we go into the sales process with the end user, the customer in mind. We're not trying to upsell. We're trying to resolve their pain point. We want to make sure that their manufacturing process is the best as it, it can be. We want to make sure that our products on their floor are saving them money, that they're getting the return on their investment quickly, um, and that you know labor is a problem for everybody. You know, We talk about unemployment rate being low, and there's a lot of jobs out there that go unfilled. And as baby boomers continue to retire, that's only going to get worse. So automation is important. And so that's what we do. We automate processes. So I think that it's, I think what really sets us apart is the whole process is that we're not just selling you a product. We're selling you a solution and we're there well after you receive your product. So if you call us, we're going to be there. We're going to make sure you're up and running. Sometimes it's painful because sometimes somebody's machine might get put (coughs) off to the side a little bit because somebody else's machine is down in the field. But we feel like down the field means you're losing money every moment, and we want to make sure that you're up and running. And so I think the fact that we really care about our customers and we care about their businesses and that we want to make sure that they're succeeding, I think that makes us stand out. It seems like from knowing you and and spending the time with you the last hour or so, uh, it seems like you've done a very, very good job of creating what I would term consultative engagement, where you're really looking to help the client, and sometimes it means that they do the business with you, and sometimes it means they do it with someone else. And I think if, if I'm that client and you, you, you're honest with me and say, hey, I, I can't do that, but, you know, here, Sanjay over here, she can do that. I mean, I think your credibility goes up markedly with someone like that, and, you know, that would, that would resonate with me. And I think people don't want to be sold. I think they want to be helped. They want to get their questions answered, and they want to be talked to in a way that's uh, similar to how you may want them to talk to your parents, um, and just look out for them and, and help them out. So I think you've done a tremendous job uh, of doing that. What's the most? What's the thing that brings you the most satisfaction with your with your company? 
I'd say um, there's a couple things. I'd say one, when a machine leaves the dock, it's installed and there's no problems. <laughs> That's probably, that gives you a lot of satisfaction because you know that they're, they're up and running and there's no follow-up um, needed immediately. But I'd say really what gives me the most satisfaction is I love creating jobs. You know, um, HR can be headaches at times, but at the end of the day, I love when I can create a job. Because, you know, when you pull into the parking lot and you park your car and you're looking at all those other, someone told me this and probably in my group, but you're looking at all those other cars in the parking lot and you know that they're all depending on you, right, at the end of the day um, because you're the driver. And so I think it's just creating jobs. We've spent some time talking about automation and the Internet and some of the things you're doing there. How, how else has your business evolved over the years? Well, our product line has evolved. So that one machine that we built in our basement in 1998 to over 100 machines, 100 different machines we've built today, um, we are constantly evolving and growing and building new machinery um, that are not one of a kind, that, you know, like a machine that we developed just maybe four years ago um, and we've probably sold our 12th machine now so of that particular machine. So we are constantly evolving and growing our products. And that is a direct result of listening to our clients. Do your clients and customers, are, are, are they repeat clients? Do they do more than one piece of business with you? Walk us through that. So you'll have a small company that, will buy a piece of machinery and may not buy another piece of machinery for years to come because machinery lasts a long time, but they're going to need spare parts and tooling and so forth. Then you have now there's so many mergers and acquisitions out there, in, um, especially in the HVAC and refrigeration world. So we had a customer last year that we put machinery in, I think, six or seven of their facilities, and they came back this year and um, we're putting it in two more facilities. So it's kind of across the board. You have won so many awards that I think that we are going to need a separate show to talk about them. But if you had to pick two or three, uh, what two or three awards that you've won over the years have been the most, uh, have you been the most proud of? Um, I would say on a personal level, um, I've been very committed to the partnership against domestic violence. Um, How did you get involved with that? So I got involved with that. I was president of my local junior league of Gwinnett, North Fulton counties, and we were very involved at the time in early childhood education and reading. And so I got involved um, with United Way in our area, and we did a big book drive. And then the woman at the time that um, – I worked with, she moved on to Partnership Against Domestic Violence, and she moved to um, one of the shelters, and um, she was doing fundraising, and she called me, invited me, and she uh, definitely uh, had a reason behind that, because she wanted me to be part of the Fund Development Committee, and um, so I just, I joined on board, but I think part of that reason why I joined on board was at the time I um, knew someone in my life who had um, been through domestic violence. Um, and it was connected to work, um, and um, I went through a really, really hard time with her, um, and I saw she grew up in an environment um, as a child, and then that circle of, you know, that cycle of abuse continued as an adult, mm. and I saw how the shelter could stop that cycle of abuse, um, and so I just full-heartedly got involved in it and I couldn't tell you if it's been six years or seven years but um, I've loved every minute of it and I absolutely I think the thing I love most is when we get to do hands-on activities with the kids and and spend time with the moms well that's that's certainly uh certainly impactful you've won some other awards here and looking at uh, uh in 2017 you were the women business champion what what was that about and, and tell us about that um, so we have used any resource that's out there that doesn't cost money. I've tried to find <laughs> over the years. 
Um, so we got involved with a small business development center back at the very, very beginning. And this is going to tell you because it was VHS tapes at the <laughs> library that we checked out, right, um, on how to fund your business. Um, because college back then did not have entrepreneurial programs and they sure. did not prepare you. So we went to SBDC office. We took some classes with them and we started um, – Daryl Holsey was our, um, our counselor and he still is today. Um, 20 plus years later. And um, so I have worked with them and I have gone through um, several of their programs, graduated from several of their programs, and I've gone back and spoken at their programs. Um, and um, I continue to try to be a resource. I'll be speaking at their Export Georgia program coming up here shortly. Um, so, you know, I guess that was why they recognized me, I'm guessing. I'm guessing that's probably the beginning. They probably realized uh, all the other things that you've done and how many people you've helped and how many jobs you've created. And then in 2018, um, I have here that you were the pinnacle small business of the year for 25-plus employees. You want to tell us about that? Yeah, so um, we're involved with our local chamber, um, uh, Gwinnett Chamber, which is um, it's a, actually a very, very large and strong chamber. Um, and so... Uh, we had been nominated several years for that award, and um, my I have to say it's all my marketing consultant's um, job for pushing and prodding to apply for it. Um, so when we got nominated, we put in the application for it. And to be honest with you, I didn't really think we'd win. I was completely surprised. And you win in categories, and then there's an overall. And when we won the overall, I was really surprised. But I think what I was touched more than anything was yesterday I was meeting with an employee and he thanked me. He said one of his best memories at Winton um, was going to a luncheon when we received one of our rewards mm. and that we included him in that luncheon. And he said that, that he really appreciated that. And so, you know, the award was great, but the recognition being shared with employees and that they feel that way to me is worth more than any specific award. And then there's another more recent award, the regional, <clears throat> excuse me, the regional business impact award for small business in 2019. Yes. It's kind of getting a little obnoxious there probably for us. I'm I told you we'd need another show. <laughs> I didn't hide that. Yeah. So maybe we'll get the Georgia manufacturer of the year award. That would be really fantastic. All right. But, um, yeah, so, um, you know, there are different categories. I think I can't remember which one of them, but one of them has a lot to do with more of the impact you make. So we talked about manufacturing, and so we're small. We're small and mighty, right? So we only have, you know, um, 35 folks at Winton, um, but we use over 120 vendors, and we outsource a lot of stuff. And so manufacturing has deep channels economically in the community. And so I think that's we were recognized um, for those that for our community service, we adopted a road. You know, there's different things that we do as a company um, going back to our core values. And I think it's a combination of that. I think it's a combination of our growth. Um, we've had substantial growth the last three years. Um, and then it's the, um, the other things that I had mentioned. Well, you've certainly done a great job of developing relationships and, and building your company and developing, you know, relationships that flow both ways within your community. If you could give the younger version of yourself some advice, what would it be? Wow, that's a really hard question. Maybe I needed that one ahead of time. Um, I would say, you know... I hate to say don't sweat the small stuff, but really I don't think there's been anything small along the way. Um, I don't know. I almost think sometimes I think things things happen the way they're supposed to happen. I really do. Um, I would say the advice that I would give myself, I think I would get a coach earlier. Yeah. I think I would have had a coach years ago. Um, I would have joined my group earlier. If I knew what I knew now, our company would be so much larger, um, and I wouldn't have made all the mistakes I've made all these years. And I can, you know, I'm not saying I don't continue to make mistakes, but it's so much harder now because you've already made those mistakes, and now you're trying to make up for them. And I think I would have been a lot smarter had I had that mentorship earlier. 
Yeah, I, I would tend to agree with that. I, I would echo the same sentiments. If there were a young lady that wanted to follow in your footsteps, what advice or what insight would you have for her? I would say find somebody, you know, we talk about relationships. I guess that seems to be our key for the show. Um, I encourage, um, when I speak to young adults, I encourage them to find somebody that they feel strongly in as a mentor. Um, and, you know, because business coach is someone you pay for, right? Um, a mentor is just somebody that um, is there for you um, personally and professionally. And I'd say that really take heart of that person. You know, people I've seen succeed in business um, have had mentors in their lives, and they've had really great mentors in their lives. And I think that they just help you through so much, um, and you need to find somebody that you connect well with. Uh, great advice, Lisa. You've been a great guest. We uh, appreciated hearing about all the successes you've had in business. And if the listenership wanted to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? Well, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn, um, and you can email me at lwinton at wintonmachine.com. Um, and you can come to our website, Winton Machine. Um, you can always uh, fill out the contact form and just put a note, send it directly to me. Um, and I'd love to hear from you. Well, Lisa, you've been a great guest. Continued success. Thank you for being such a great uh, guest today on the show. Thank you. That wraps up another episode of Tuesdays with Corey with your host, Corey Rick, brought to you by our great friends at the Long-Term Care Planning Group. Thank you for joining us today, Lisa, and this is Sanjay Ture for Business Radio X. Tuesday.